Expect trouble knowing you'll overcome. Such unprecedented, troubling times we are in. We shouldn't really be surprised. As we are told in 2 Timothy 3.13, things are going to deteriorate rather than improve in human history, this side eternity, as we draw it to a close. Derision is everywhere. It's important to realize that the non-Christians of the world have their eyes on us. Are we living panicky lives? Are we moving through life on an even keel? Are we focused on the GPS that is His and His alone and trusting Him to respond to our SOS as He sees fit? Have you learned to agree to disagree? That delicate dance is about as comfortable as walking on a tightrope over piles of shattered glass. This is especially true when a disagreement that looks like it's about A is really about something else entirely. Probably the most important realization we can come to at a time of trouble and deterioration in society is to recognize the facts surrounding that 2 Timothy 3.13 verse. Let's unpack it. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous and without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Yikes. That laundry list of decadence is enough to make a person dive under the covers and pray for the rapture. But rather than do that, God wants us to love. He calls us to bring our love as an anecdote to the ravages of sin and corruption and disease in our broken world. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in John 15, 13, we read, Greater love has no one than this, than he who lays down his life for his friends. Are you ready to lay down some disagreement? Are you ready to relinquish an opinion or to hear another opinion? If we want to stand out in this time in our dark world as people of compassion, we must, as 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything in love. Imagine a world in which the golden rule would rule and reign. That's the eternity that belongs to you when you decide you want to belong to Jesus. Set your intention today to set your mind on a perfect world to come and improve this one to the best of your ability with your love, knowing you can overcome. And I'd like to share this installment from my second book, The Trap Door. Whoppers from Pulpit and Pew, God Won't Give You Any More Than You Can Handle. For centuries, Christians have approached and been challenged by unbelievers with what I call the hard questions. These include the gut-wrenching, how can a loving God let a child die, to the horrific, can God really exist in a world where the Holocaust was permitted to occur? These hard questions are heaped onto a pile of atrocities we can't begin to understand. Even Christians struggle with these paradoxes from time to time. But bigger problems arise when tough talk like this is met with a barrage of pat responses cloaked in misused Bible verses. What's more frustrating to suffering believers than placating replies to raw, emotionally charged inquiries? The single most infuriating response I continue to receive when someone learns I have a nonverbal autistic child is, well, God never gives you any more than you can handle. My thought when I hear this is twofold. One, they have no earthly idea what walking a mile in my shoes feels like. And two, saying this completely discounts any pain and suffering on my part, which has been substantial. This dismissal is, at the very least, unhelpful and is, at its worst, cruel and unloving. Invalidating an unbeliever's feelings when they ask a hard question will only further distance them from the possibility of a come-to-Jesus moment. Well-meaning, albeit misguided people, invoke the no-more-than-you-can-handle comment 
based on the passage in 1 Corinthians 10.13, which addresses being able to bear up under temptation, not hardship. Temptation is different from a burden. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't wipe away the sweat drops of blood. He didn't minimize his situation with a platitude. He confessed his anguish in prayer and asked God to remove this cup, completing his prayer with a your will be done and followed through, according to Luke twenty-two forty-two. And of course, the rest is history. When Paul wrote of his hardships in Asia in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he relayed an honest account of a load of sufferings that went so far beyond their strength that they were afraid they might not survive. David talked of being worn out and utterly crushed in Psalm 38, 8. Truth be told, the enemy would love you to believe that if you feel like you're being crushed under your burden, something's wrong with you and you don't have enough faith or you wouldn't be in such an awful spot. There are two important facts to consider here. One is that while God will rule and reign in the New Jerusalem, Satan's time to conquer and divide and wreak havoc is now. In our broken world, there are plenty of unbearable situations that some people can handle and some can't on this side of eternity. Things like terminal illness, addiction, and suicidal thoughts are a few examples of this. In excruciatingly painful situations like these, we need to cling to God's promises for ourselves and stifle our comments and judgment regarding others who weren't able to bear up under them. Only God fully knows every heart. And the key to kingdom living is, acknowledging hard questions is preferable and far more helpful than dispensing platitudes. And the doorpost is, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Thank you for tuning in today to his GPS for your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her first two books in her Planned Door Devotion Trilogy are available on Amazon. Her bi-monthly blogs can be found at cindyyorks.com.